we're looking at some of those hymns that you sing there, and it says, uh, where we share our daily bread. That's about, I think that's a little obsolete. <laughs> well, good to be here. Amen. Good to see Sister Annette here. It's always a blessing to see you here. You see your mom's 85th birthday tomorrow. That's a blessing. Well, take your Bible, go to 1 Timothy. Book of 1 Timothy, thank you for all the prayers, all the calls, all the texts, all the gifts. Had a good couple days. Um, Been doing laps inside my house. And it's laid out so you can do that. (laughs) 1 Timothy chapter 1. Got hooked up to this machine today, delivered this machine, it's constant motion there and brings your leg up and down. I sit there and study and it moves your leg kind of cool, amen? <laughs> Anyways, well, First Timothy chapter 1, look at verse 10. All right, Paul's, uh, Paul's listing out this group of people that the law is created for, and he ends this thing by saying, for whoremongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men-stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, and if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Let's pray. Father, we sure love you. Thank you for Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for our Bible. Thank you, Lord, that it's perfect. It's true. And Lord, uh, thank you, Lord, that there is nothing wrong with it. And it doesn't need to be rewritten. It just needs to be reread. Uh, Father, thank you, Lord, that despite the day and age that we live in, Lord, we can go to it, we can find comfort. We can find strength, Lord, we can find rebuke and reproof. And Father, would you one more time open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of thy law. Father, pray that you fill us with your Holy Spirit and bless those who come out and brave the bad roads and those who couldn't. Pray that you uh, fill them as well in Jesus' name, amen. <clears throat> now it says here, any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine, I want to pick up with this thing where we left off the other day. And of course, you know, you know that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the first application for doctrine, for the scripture is doctrine. For 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, the first application for the scriptures is doctrine. And this book was written so that you would have sound doctrine. That's the first application. All right, and uh, look at Proverbs chapter 4. We'll grab a couple of passages of scripture and just keep grabbing them and moving on. But we want to talk about sound doctrine for a second. And I know sometimes you think that's all we preach and all we talk about. But let me tell you what, if you don't have sound doctrine down, if you're not working on getting established in sound doctrine, uh, you're going to get off course in your Christian life. And that thing will come out, that thing will make itself evident in how you live your life. A lot of Christians think that if they make uh, the outside clean, then that's what keeps you out of trouble. No, I'm all about clean living, amen? I really am. Um, and if you're not about clean living, then you're just a dirt ball. Remember that old Peanuts character? What was it called? Uh, thank you. Big Ben. That's what that's triggered that. And he walks around, there's you know, flies all over. A lot of Christians live like that. They live like they're in a pig pen. And it's because they, they, don't, they don't have a hold of sound doctrine. A lot of people think, well, I've got sound doctrine. I can live how... Yeah, you know what? You could go ahead and live however you want when it comes to salvation. You're not going to go to hell, but why would you do that? (laughs) I don't get it. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1. Look what Solomon says. Hear ye children the instruction of a father and attend no understanding, for I give you 
good doctrine. Forsake ye not my law. So here the Bible tells you that God will give you good doctrine. You get in that book, you search it out, God will give you good doctrine. All right? Not only that, take your uh, Bible and go over to uh, Isaiah 28. Isaiah 28. You see, uh, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 10 talks about sound doctrine. Proverbs chapter 4, verse 1 says that the Lord will give you good doctrine, but now how in the world do you get doctrine? How in the world? Someone wrote it down in a book? Now listen, you've got the book of doctrine in your lap. Isaiah chapter 28. Now I understand the Lord uses men to write books to help us with things. That's why God gave gifts unto men, the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 4. But the fact of the matter is the Bible also said that you don't need that any man should teach you. You've got the Holy Ghost of God living inside of you that will show you and reveal all truth unto you. All right, but look at, look at this thing, Isaiah 28. How in the world are you and I going to learn doctrine? Well, is it you go to church for 10 years and you wake up and you know it all? No, that's not how it goes. Isaiah 28, 9, whom shall he teach knowledge? And whom shall he make to understand doctrine? Them that are weaned from the milk and drawn from the breast. You say, what's it talking about? He's saying, look, you can learn doctrine, you can understand doctrine, but only once you come off of the milk of the word. And we're talking about that first stage of growth in your Christian life as a baby stage. So once you're drawn from the breast, once you're weaned from the milk, then you begin begin to learn doctrine. Look at the next verse, verse 10. Well, how how is he going to teach you? How are you and I going to learn doctrine? Well, you've got to be drawn from the breast. You've got to be off the milk. All right, look at 10. For precept must be upon precept. Precept upon precept. The Lord's not got a stuttering problem. He just shows you how you learn. Precept upon precept, precept upon precept, line upon line, line upon line, here a little and there a little. You see that? Everything is a building block, just a little at a time. And that's that's how he does it. That's how he does it. I look at Matthew chapter 7, this thing about sound doctrine. It's important. Matthew chapter 7, you you have to be weaned from the milk of the word. But listen, if you're in that stage as a babe in Christ, as we said Sunday night, what do you do? All right, number one, stay on the milk. Number two, take naps. <laughs> Babes do, right? You stay on the milk and you take naps. What does that mean? You learn to rest in the Lord. Didn't he say, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I'm meek and lowly of heart, right? You shall find what? Rest for your souls. Drink the milk. Keep drinking, keep reading the word, and learn to rest in the Lord. All right, Matthew chapter 7, 28. Look at the response to sound doctrine. And it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were what? Astonished at his doctrine. And, but here you see the reaction to doctrine, the reaction to doctrine. And uh, those who have been lied to and tricked and led on and played as fools many times are astonished at doctrine. Matter of fact, they'll think you're the nut. <laughs> It means they're surprised. Uh, Some of you, when I've taught this book the way I have, whether it be about the seven mysteries or seven baptisms or the doctrines of salvation or the doctrines of eschatology, which is simply about the last days, some of your eyes light up like a Christmas tree when you first heard it, right? And it happens that way because you're dealing with sound doctrine. And when you get to applying that thing and believing that thing, what happens is sound doctrine gets to feeding you and it helps you. 
it strengthens you. It builds you up. And you're like, huh, that's pretty good stuff. I never knew that. I never saw it. So doctrine is important. Look at Ephesians chapter 4. Now, don't ever get to the place where some of these guys in this community are, and they say, well, we're not too worried about doctrine. They're more worried about unity than they are doctrine. Let me tell you what. If you throw away doctrine at the expense of unity, that's the wrong thing. And we're not talking about you need to go out there and kick up a fight with everybody. We're not talking about being rude in your Christianity. We're talking about having enough sense to understand that you cannot have unity, true unity, without sound doctrine. And uh, unity is never right at the price of truth. Look at 14, Ephesians 4.14. He says that we henceforth be no more children. And so here Paul's going to defile... define, excuse me, uh, what a spiritual child is. Look at it. Uh, Tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. You see that? A spiritual child, he's someone who's uh, not established yet, and he's tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine. That's That's a biblical definition of a spiritual child. You need to get a hold of that. That's why doctrine's important. And when he says every wind of doctrine, he's not talking about sound. He's talking about false doctrine. People in here have gotten saved before, and the next thing you know, Mormons are knocking on their door. Jehovah's Witnesses are knocking on their door. Some, someone's trying to feed them stuff about uh, some heresy in the Bible, but it doesn't happen until after they get saved. And, uh, <clears throat> and I can see in here some people have have grown up in the Lord because they're no longer worried about losing their salvation, and that's a blessing. Some of you got that thing settled. That's a blessing. And it's not me, it's not us, it's the Lord. If you get help here, it's the Lord. Anything that's ever done in here uh, to better your life for Jesus Christ is never of me, it's of Jesus Christ. It's what it is. And if God has ever done anything to you or is doing something to you now, it's the book. It's the book. It's Jesus Christ. And what you need in your life is sound doctrine. And you know what you don't get out in this world? You don't get sound doctrine. You don't. You don't get sound doctrine in half your Baptist churches. Most of your Baptist churches are worried about getting along. Amen. Stay with me. Getting along, making sure you put your money in the plate, making sure you sign up so uh, someone cleans the church or cleans the toilet or shovels the driveway or some, some ministry. And I, that's not what it's all about. Your life needs to be faith based upon sound doctrine. <clears throat> now, here's another one. Look at 1 Timothy chapter 4. You say, well, you're just, you're just anti-everything I ever... Okay, well, stop and consider it. Look, these churches that have a million and one ministries, I'm glad they do. Because if we had a million and one, I'd be doing a million. <laughs> I ain't got that kind of time. Is that fair? You got all that time? You got all the time to do all those ministries? Of course you don't. Every single one of you here work. You got a job. You go to school. You see what I mean? And we're all about serving the Lord. But you're a Christian 24-7. It's not like, oh, today I get to put my my hat where I serve Jesus. You're a Christian 24-7. Now, look at this thing in 1 Timothy 4. Now, listen, this Bible will do it for you. It'll help you out. It'll strengthen you. It'll build you up. Look at 4-6. 1 Timothy 4-6. 
If thou put the brethren in remembrance of these things, thou shalt be a good minister of Jesus Christ, nourish up in the words of faith and of good doctrine. You see it? Whereunto thou hast attained. So what are preachers supposed to do? We're supposed to give the people good doctrine. That's my job. As a minister of Christ, we're to preach doctrine. Look at 1 Timothy 6.3. 1 Timothy 6.3. The Bible says in 1 Timothy 6, 3, If any man teach otherwise, and consent not to wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness. You see that? You know what uh, the passage in verse 1 and 2 is dealing with? You ready for this? It's dealing with slavery. <laughs> Immediately, some of you can shut me off. You don't know what in the world you're thinking. You can shut me down. Help yourself. They say if ignorance is bliss in this country, it must be a blizzard. But it's dealing with slavery. Isn't that strange? And the Lord said through the Apostle Paul, if they don't teach that, look at verse 4. If you don't teach that thing the way God said it through Paul, look at verse 4. He's proud, knowing nothing, but doting about questions and strives of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. And see, immediately, the carnal Christian goes like this. Well, he's against black people. Now, you, you know why you got that mindset? It's because you live in America. <laughs> oh, when Paul was writing this, it wasn't blacks and white. The Jews were slaves to the Romans. You see that? You're a product of your stinking environment. You need to quit that. God said there's a right way to do something, and a man was able to sell himself into slavery, red and yellow, black and white. And he said, if you do it this way, and if you buy this fellow, then you let him go on the seventh year, and you treat him right, and you take care of him right. You see what I mean? That's what the Bible said, though. But who, who believes the Bible anymore? Nobody believes the Bible anymore. You live in a country that's against the Bible. You say, well, you just hate it. I don't hate anybody. I just, I'm just ready to go home. I'm ready to go to heaven. Why? You live in an anti-biblical society and you get confused and you get your rights and wrongs crossed because you heard some story about how some slave was mistreated. Yeah, lots of slaves are mistreated. You think the Jews are mistreated back in 2000 BC? I mean, killing them for 40 years. You wonder why God went through and knocked off all the firstborn in all the household? Well, they've been slaughtering Jew, Jew males for 40 years. Fast forward to the time of Jesus Christ when he shows up and Herod shows up and gets all mad because of the wise men didn't go back and tell him where the king was. They killed more babies. I've always thought that interesting back. They were slaughtering babies back in the days of Moses. They were slaughtering back babies back in the time of Jesus Christ. And now you've got more baby killing than ever before. I guess the Lord's probably about ready to do something, don't you think? I'd be all right to get out of here. I'm not saying I'm not for that stuff. I'm just saying it's kind of ironic, don't you think? Sure is. All right. <clears throat> all right, so let me show you another one. 1 Timothy 5.17, this thing about sound doctrine. You've got to get your doctrine right. And listen, what, we're, we're going with this. If you can get your doctrine straight, it'll help you to live right. This is not just a head knowledge thing. See, a lot of people get caught up, well, you know, you just focus on doctrine and all that. I don't focus on the deep stuff. I'm very practical. But, you know, if you don't have your doctrine straight, you will not live right. You show me any Calvist out there, they got no music standards. They got no dress standards. 
and they got no fellowship standards at all. I'll, don't you come talking to me a bunch of smack. I know what I'm talking about. You show me any independent uh, fundamental Baptist out there that doesn't have sound doctrine, they have no standards whatsoever. I'm talking about living, and those aren't something that the pastor dictates. Oh, quiet. 1 Timothy 5.17. Beat my gums. Bible says in 1 Timothy 5, 17, let the elders that, that's the preacher, the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honor, especially they who labor in the word and doctrine. All right, so for a preacher, there's a reward that the preacher gets if he labors in the word and he labors in doctrine. And God will bless him for it. Look at Titus 1 9. Titus 1 9. The sole purpose of you being a Christian is not you tithing. But if you're not tithing, let me ask you this question What's wrong with you? I mean, when you go out to eat at a restaurant, don't you tip them 15%? And if you don't, shame on you. If you can't give a good tip, don't you dare leave a track with our church name on it. You jerk. <laughs> don't do it. Matter of fact, I believe the other way. I believe you ought to lay it on them. So if you see some waitress and she's gone out of her way or his way to make sure you had your 17 Diet Cokes, you know, and refilled your tortilla chips every time that, you know, there was, they're all, man, you ought to lay it on them. Why? God's blessed you enough to go out to eat, right? You forget that, don't you? God has actually blessed me so I can go out to eat. Well, then tip someone a little bit more so they're like, wow, they're very generous. I wonder why. I wonder why. Why can you be generous? Well, you know, it's just inside. No, it's not. It's because you're blood-bought and heaven-bound. Anything good of you is not of yourself, remember? It's okay to preach that here. <laughs> I mean, really tip them. I bet you some of you never left a $50 tip in your life. Bunch of cheapskates. All right, Titus 1.9. Paul says, this preacher boy, holding fast the faithful word as he hath been taught. Excuse me, a little ADHD, up and down, up and down. As he hath been taught that he may be able by sound doctrine. You see that? There it is. To exhort and convince the gainsayers. All right? So sound doctrine is how you're going to be able to win people to Jesus Christ. You see how important it is? You know how someone won you to Christ? They were honest with you. They said, if you don't trust Jesus Christ as your Savior, you're going to die and go to hell and never get out. That's sound doctrine. Amen. You don't tell them, uh, well, you know, just come to church and let Jesus be in your life. You ever heard that? Just ask Christ into your life. You realize that Jesus Christ is in the life of every individual saved or lost? There's nothing he's not a part of. But as far as being your personal Savior, you better repent of your sins. Trust Jesus Christ to save you. Or what? You're going to die and go to hell. You see that? That's sound doctrine. All right, but people don't like that. I know all about it. But look at Titus 2.1. 2.1. Back just over just one chapter there. Paul says, but speak thou the things which become sound doctrine. So sound doctrine is to be spoken, it's supposed to be preached, it's supposed to be taught. And sound doctrine contains sound words. You run that phrase through, sound words. A man that ought to encourage you to watch what you say. Sound words, not perverted words. Amen? Isn't that what you struggle with during the week? Perverted words, wrong words, bad words. <laughs> Okay, maybe not. Now, there's some things about sound doctrine you and I are supposed to do that people don't. 
Did you catch that? Let me give them to you. There are some things about sound doctrine we're supposed to do, but people don't. I'll look at Romans chapter 6. You say, preacher, is sound doctrine really that important? You better believe it's important. So you're always saying doctrine this and doctrine that. You know, okay, well, let me tell you what. You stop putting the emphasis on sound doctrine, you'll go in the ditch. You'll start trying to cater to people's emotions. You know what I've learned after 25 years? A house with four women and two, uh, two men. There's a lot of emotions going on there. And you're not always going to get them right. That's the truth. Sometimes it's like emotional ping pong in my house. Boing, 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 boing. You ever come home from a long day and just want peace and quiet? And there's just so much going on and so much back and forth. You feel like curling up in the fetal position in the corner of the house and just crying, but you can't because your kids will be like, what's your problem? What is that emotion? You're tired. She's tired. He's tired. You know, she's crabby. He's crabby. I'm fighting with her, and he's fighting with me. You know, you can't cater to emotions. Sound doctrine. All right. Now look at six seventeen. Number one, you're supposed to obey doctrine. Here it is. I'm going to lay it on you. I'm going to lay it on you. You're supposed to obey doctrine. Paul says, "But God be thanked." Verse seventeen, that you were the you were past tense the servants of sin, but you have obeyed from the heart that form of doctrine which was delivered to you. Let me ask you this question: As you learn sound doctrine, are you obedient unto sound doctrine? Are you obedient unto sound doctrine? Since you've learned more doctrines about the doctrine of salvation, the doctrines of end times, are you obedient? The more you learn about the rapture, the more you learn about the second coming of Jesus Christ, are you obedient? How am I supposed to be obedient to that? Are you telling other people about Jesus Christ? Or are you just letting the world go to hell? It ought to bother you. Now that's just one of many. All right, you're supposed to obey sound doctrine. How about number two? Look at 1 Corinthians 15, 1 to 4. Not only obey it, but when it's preached, you're supposed to receive it. You ought to receive sound doctrine. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Remember, Paul's our example. Now, look, you know what a lot of Christians are worried about today? They're worried about a delivery. They're worried about a polished, prepped performance. Is that fair? As a matter of fact, many times when a preacher gets up in the pulpit... I saw this one meme the other day. It says, I have learned that if I tuck my pant leg in my sock, people expect a lot less out of me. <laughs> That's true, ain't it? I remember going to a couple blowouts and everyone saw Dr. Ruckman, he'd be walking up the aisle and have one pant leg tucked in his boot. Just walking up there. <laughs> what is it? <laughs> Happens. I mean, like you've never walked out of the bathroom with toilet paper hanging out of your pant leg before. Yeah, man. You want to? You you think you're super cool until you see a stream of toilet paper coming out your pant leg, right? Or gals, yeah, never come out of the bathroom with your slip tucked in. Oh, I'm sorry. I'll get more dignified here. But you're to receive it. First Corinthians fifteen one to four. Isn't that reality? <laughs> I've been up here before, and my wife's like. There's a booger here or something, you know. How are you going to do that? No. 1 Corinthians 15, 1. Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel which I preached unto you, which also you have received. You see it? And wherein you stand. Paul got it from the Lord. Paul gave it to the Corinthians, and they received it. You know what your job is? Not only obey it. Number two, you ought to receive sound doctrine. 
He says, For I delivered unto you first of all that which I also received. So Paul received it first. The Corinthians received it second. All right? How that Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures. And that He was buried and that He rose again the third day according to the Scripture. Man, what the greatest passage in the Bible right there. The death, the burial, resurrection of Jesus Christ. Only thing that gives me hope. It ain't, it ain't in our economical system. It's not in the, the White House or the outhouse. It's not whether or not I've got work lined up three months from now. Man, it's Jesus Christ died because I was a rotten sinner. He rose again the third day according to the Scriptures. And because I trusted Him as my Savior, I get to spend eternity with Him in heaven. No pain, no suffering, no bills, no house payment. Forever at the feet of Jesus Christ with a perfect body and a perfect mind, and I'll look like Mr. Universe when I get there. Man, that's a blessing. So uh, that's, uh, that's what you're supposed to do. You're supposed to receive it. Look at this one, Acts chapter 2, verse 42. You're supposed to not only obey it, you're supposed to receive it, but you're supposed to abide in it. You're supposed to abide in sound doctrine. Abide in sound doctrine. You ever stop and think that maybe just many of you have come up through church and uh, with the purest motive you could ever imagine to serve the Lord and just were never taught it? Just never taught how important sound doctrine is? I'm telling you, it's the most important thing you got going on. And to whom much given, much shall be required. You, you can't listen to sound doctrine and go, well, you know, it's just it's what he thinks. The Lord's going to hold you to it. He says here in Acts 2.42, and they continued steadfastly in the Apostles' doctrine and fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers. You ought to abide in sound doctrine. You see that? You're supposed to stick with it. Abide. Constantly abiding. Right? That's the hymn writer. Jesus is mine. You constantly abide in the sound doctrine that you've been taught that matches up with the Bible 100%. You stick with it. You don't get rid of it. You don't change it. You don't change it so you can get more people in the church. You don't change it so it sounds nicer. You don't change it to fit your mindset because you're a wicked individual without Jesus Christ. And here, let me give you number four. Not only are you supposed to abide in sound doctrine, you're to adorn yourself with sound doctrine. That's Titus chapter 2. You're to adorn yourself with sound doctrine. Now, look, you obey it when you're taught it. Okay, that's what the Bible says. I believe it. Lord, help me to obey it. You receive it whenever it gets preached, How, d- despite the delivery, despite whether you like the fellow or not, if he's telling you the truth, take it. Take it. Take the truth. One thing I want you to learn and hopefully be taught uh, is just no matter what the guy looks like, no matter how he sounds, okay, so maybe he's rude. Take the truth. Take sound doctrine and receive it. Why? We're all humans. I mean, when we leave the bathroom, most of us stink. You see what I mean? You're human, you're flesh. But here you're supposed to down yourself, adorn yourself with sound doctrine, Titus 2.10, not purloining, that's stealing, but showing all good fidelity that they may adorn the doctrine of God, our Savior, in all things. Now to adorn, that's like clothing. You all get up in the morning, you adorn yourself with your duds. You know, you get up and you put on the company issue, don't you? Or if the company doesn't have an issue, you wear whatever you feel the best in. You know, dress for success, they say it. But here, you're supposed to adorn yourself with the doctrines of God. You're supposed to put them on. You see what that means? You know what that tells you? That you're going to have to put this doctrine on more than once. It's a continual thing, ain't it? That means after you learn the doctrines of salvation, which are properly called soteriology... 
you're going to have to go back through them again, aren't you? You're going to have to adorn. You have to constantly put that stuff on. And that's why it shouldn't be a tedious or a burdensome thing to cover material that you already know. Because the Holy Spirit can show you something you don't know when you go over it again. Aren't you glad when the teacher reviews before a test? Aren't you glad when the teacher says, by the way, this question will be on the test? Well, that's the best teacher in the world. I said, could you say that again, please? <laughs> Write it down. Why? Because if he says it's going to be on the test, then it's going to be on the test. And I might not have paid attention, but I can at least get that one right because he told me it right there. But you're supposed to adorn yourself with it, and that's you taking as much time as possible to put it on. Put it on. You put it on by reading the Bible. You see that? You put on sound doctrine by reading the Bible. Uh, you put it on by coming to church and submitting yourself to the preaching. Okay, preacher, here I am. Don't want to be here, but let her fly. Okay, thanks. Go ahead. Go ahead and give me permission. Just let the preaching go and see what the Lord will confirm. Whatever you read this week, the Lord will confirm something. He'll either confirm that, A, you need to keep reading, or B, what you uh, read was the right thing. <laughs> right? Now, you put it on by reading the Bible. You put it on by listening to preaching. That's coming to church. Amen? And then you put it on by what? How about memorizing Scripture? I've already told you, my gener our generation, no, this generation now does not memorize Scripture. My generation, I think, was one of the last ones to learn Scripture. I mean, those Awana clubs, once they ditched the King James Bible, went right in the toilet and flushed out with all the rest of the sewer waste. But there's no other programs teaching people to learn the Bible, memorize Scripture. That's our line of defense against sin. The Bible said, Thy word have I hidden on my heart that I, that I might have an hour to spend doing something. No, exactly right, that I might not sin against thee. You know why we have a problem with sin in 2023? Because you don't memorize the book. You say, I've got a problem with this sin right here. Start memorizing the book. And it starts with you maybe getting out a piece of, uh, piece of paper or some three-by-five cards and putting four or five good verses on what you're struggling with and say, what? Them are good bullets and stick them in your pocket. And then every time you stick your hand in your pocket, pull them out and read it. And by the end of the week, you should have them memorized. Can you imagine, let's say, uh, not saying uh, uh, you gals, we'll pick on you gals, then we'll pick on the guys. Let's say you gals, you got a problem with your mouth. I'm not, not saying you do, you know. Let's just say some of you gals just couldn't keep your mouth shut to save your life. And so what do you do? Well, you go through the book of Proverbs and talk about a tongue and flattering lips and a mouth and all that stuff, and you write down about five verses. you think you could get some victory over that thing? If you're constantly looking at the scriptures, which are pure, right? Don't you think you get some victory? All right, man, you got problems with your thoughts. And how about you write about four or five verses down, right? About what you should think on. Think on these things, Paul says in Philippians chapter 4. And you start spending your day thinking about things that are right, just, honest, pure, lovely, of good report. You think you could get some victory in your thought life? Or maybe if you shut down your smartphone or your computer or whatever it is, the television subscription you got, you get a little bit more victory too, Amen. But the fact of the matter is the only thing will help you in not just shutting down the bad windows is to open up the right windows. And we're talking about trying to adorn sound doctrine. And the only way you and I can adorn sound doctrine is by constantly putting it on. And doctrine is the truth of what God said about a matter. Now here, let me give you this one, 2 Timothy chapter 1. I'm telling you, sound doctrine is important. It's important. 2 Timothy chapter 1, here's number 5. What am I supposed to do with sound doctrine? Well, I'm supposed to obey it. Uh, when it's given out, I'm supposed to receive it. And then after I receive it, I'm supposed to abide in it. I'm supposed to stick in it. 
and then I'm supposed to adorn myself with it. I've got to keep putting it on. And then here is kind of similar to number three. You're supposed to hold firm and hold fast to sound doctrine. Hold firm and hold fast to sound doctrine. 2 Timothy 1.3, Paul says to young Timothy, hold fast the form of sound words, which thou hast heard of me. Notice that? Sound words. You say, what does it mean? You don't need to update it. You know what I like about this church? We sing the old hymns. We sing the old hymns. That's a blessing. And the older I get, the more of a blessing it is. And you know what? The older, the better. Why? This new stuff, man, it's whatever. Flavor of the month. You know, I know the CCM crowd up there, contemporary Christian crowd. You know, they're all, you know, waving their hands. I'm telling you what, it's nothing better than to sing an old hymn written by an old timer back in the 1700s. You know, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Blind, but now I see. That's good. You ever stop and think about the words of those old hymns? You know, I've said this before. Uh, you got page one is a great example. On the inside, you've got that hymn we pasted in there, Arise, My Soul, Arise. Let me read you the, the fifth verse. Uh, my God is reconciled. His pardoning voice I hear. He owns me for his child. I can no longer fear. With confidence I now draw nigh. With confidence I now draw nigh. And Father, Abba, Father, cry. You say what are the lyrics to the latest CCM? You want to hear it? Hallelujah, hallelujah. And how about hallelujah? What's it to you? <laughs> how about this one? Uh, this one, verse 3. Five bleeding wounds he bears received on Calvary. They pour effectual prayers. They strongly plead for me. Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry. Forgive him, oh, forgive, they cry. Nor let that ransom sinner die. Sound words. The older, the better. Amen. You say, you're just, you like old stuff. Amen. That's what I like to use. You're old. Amen. <laughs> I like old timers. I like the old paths. Amen. Uh, why? I got saved out of the old paths. I didn't get saved and someone invited me to give my life to Christ. I got saved. Someone said, look, without Jesus Christ, you're going to die and go to hell. You need to make your mind up today. Today? Yes, today. Not sleep on it, not think about it. Like, if you're to die today, where will you spend eternity? If you don't know, you can know right now. All right, uh, 2 Timothy 1.13, Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. Uh, you know, I... You know how it is. Some of you might know, some of you might not. It's not too bad lately, but for a while there, there's a bunch of knuckleheads said that we're nothing but a cult over here. Let me, you know what I know? Those same people that would accuse us of being a cult, they'd be way harder on you than I would. They would. <laughs> uh, I'm not Jesus Christ, but I'll give you more grace than these pharisaical brethren would. Uh, I know when the flock here is not doing right. But I don't come up and beat you all in the head. <laughs> but you listen to some of these Pharisee preachers. You go ahead and miss your faith promise missions number and see if you don't get a half a dozen messages why you should be putting your missions money in the plate. What's up with that? Well, just because something doesn't go the way the preacher thinks it should go means he should get up and, you know, fire away. That's a good way to destroy a church. All of a sudden, people think, what's the preacher's problem? Who's he mad at? Who's not giving? You know what I know? There have been times around here that our missions giving has been low. Amen? And it's low many times. Why? 
because some of you all still learn how to give. What do you do? <laughs> Trust the Lord. <laughs> See that? What do you do? Trust the Lord. You want to know our missions giving is? Look on the bulletin. Look on the back. We support 11 missionaries, $50 a month. Was that 550? Last time math worked out. That's 550 every quarter. Some get 100 actually. <laughs> now, if you want to know where we're at with our missions given, look at the numbers. This isn't about missions, but it's the point, right? If our missions giving is low, what does that mean? It means some of you are still learning how to give. And you know what I know about giving? Giving is a grace that God has to dispense to each and every individual for them to give the way they should. Why? Because if you don't have the grace that God gives you, you won't be able to see that spiritual need that exists. So if you don't see the need, that spiritual need that exists, what good is it going to be for me to get up and have a pinpointed message why everyone should give X amount of money? It doesn't make sense. God has to give you that grace. So if you don't understand giving, you know what you should do? Pray for grace. Lord, would you give me grace to understand what I should give? Why? Because God loveth a cheerful giver. And if you can't put anything in that box without being all, you know, hemorrhoided up and all stressed out and all, <laughs> keep it. I mean it. Just keep it. Why? He's still working on me to make me what I ought to be. And you know what the Lord done? I've seen it time and time. The people that count the money seen time and time. The Lord will give somebody grace and lay it on the house and something will come in the plate. Something will come in the box. Something will come in the mail. That's how you do it. Not the message, but a good point. There have been times uh, where the offerings have been low. You say, what did you do? Well, my gut said I should get up and tell everyone that they need to give more. But that's not fair. That's not trusting the Lord. I can't expect you to trust the Lord if I won't trust the Lord. If I stress out and bleed out from the pulpit every time there's a, you know, I have gas or indigestion, you know, that's going to create a bunch of Christians with indigestion. Oh, we better get more. How about you trust the Lord? And the Lord will take us through the lean times and he'll take us through the rocky times and he'll build you up through what? Sound doctrine. And... Uh, <clears throat> Look at 1 Timothy 1.10, back to 1.10. Enough about that. But that was a real good section on doctrine. Doctrine has to do with everything that you do, everything who you are. And the more sound doctrine you get under, it will cause you to live right. People think that more studying is just weariness of the flesh, but if you study sound doctrine the way you should, and you love it, and you adorn it, and you obey it, you will live right. It might not be to some independent fundamental Baptist standards, but we could care less about what they think, honestly. We really don't care. And I'm not saying that maliciously. All right, look at verse 10. For homemongers, for them that defile themselves with mankind, for men stealers, for liars, for perjured persons, if there be any other thing that is contrary to sound doctrine. Verse 11. According to the glorious gospel of the blessed God which was committed to my trust... Now, what I want you to see here is that sound doctrine is connected to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Sound doctrine is connected to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. And when you get the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, and when you get sound doctrine, you know what you'll do? I just said it. You'll live right. Now, look at Titus chapter 2. I'm going to show it to you. This is why doctrine is important. 
Not just preaching on the family, preaching on this or preaching on that and preaching how you need to listen to your wife more. I'm, I'm tired of all that stuff. You need sound doctrine. You need the gospel of Jesus Christ to save your soul. Amen. You need to get born again. And then you need preaching on sound doctrine to enable you to live right. Uh, Titus chapter 2 verse 1. But speak thou the things which become what? Sound doctrine. Now notice verse 2. That what? You see that? It's not so you have a big stinking head full of knowledge, full of facts. It's so now you can live right. Let's read the passage together. That the aged men be sober, grave. You see what I mean? It's connected to sound doctrine. You're living. Temperate, sound in faith, in charity, and patient. All right, not just the aged men, but verse 3. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behaviors becometh what? Holiness. Not false accusers, right? Not given to much wine, teachers of good things. All right, older ladies, you're going to teach, make it good things. All right? Uh, that they may teach the young women to be sober. That's serious. You know what you young women are going to have a tendency to do? Just think everything's a joke. So you need some older women that love the Lord to come along beside you and say, look, you need to get serious. Be sober. And they don't necessarily have to say it. They, they teach it. They live the example. How about this one? To love their husband. You see that? <laughs> to love their husband. That's, that's taught by the older women. Isn't that crazy? You know what most older women teach now? There's the divorce hotline. Leave the buzzard. The Bible says you're supposed to teach them to love their husbands. I look, I know, I know I'm unlovable, but I'm glad someone's... Hopefully some old woman's told my wife to stick it with me, man. <laughs> Not like stick it in the head, but you know what I'm saying. <laughs> this is to love their husbands, to love their children. Ain't that something? You see a young woman's got to be taught how to love their children. Why? Because generally they're around them all day long and they go crazy. I remember talking to my wife a few times in the ice cream company and all she wanted was an adult conversation. <laughs> it's all she wanted. <clears throat> Okay, this is going over real well. Look at verse 4. They may teach the young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. We're talking about sound doctrine here. To be discreet, chaste, keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. Now here it is. Now it's the young men's turn. You see that? Young men likewise exhort to be sober-minded. How is the young men be exhorted? Through sound doctrine. In all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works. In doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned. That's our problem, isn't it, young men? Your mouth, your speech. People take you serious if you get you clean it up a bit. I cannot be condemned that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. And the problem is with young Christians many times is uh, you got a bad testimony. And the world's got some things against you, so they don't listen to your testimony. You see what I mean? So when you match the glorious gospel together with sound doctrine, it'll teach you to live right. That's what I'm, that's what I'm pushing at here. And that's why many Christians around these parts, they don't live right. Uh, you've heard one of your own brother testify two weeks ago how he had to work out some things once he left home, and God showed him specifically from the scriptures how to live. That's a great testimony. You heard from one of your own men here. He went to the Bible, and he said, All right, Lord, uh, I need some help, and the Lord helped him. What is that sound doctrine? Now, look, some Christians wouldn't live right even if you gave them sound doctrine. I understand that. 
Amen. Some people won't live right. Some of them got the glorious gospel and they got saved, but they ain't got no sound doctrine, so they don't have a clue how to live. They're just shooting from the hip. Do you realize God knows how you should live? We're not talking about putting robotic stipulations on your life. We're talking about yielding to the Holy Ghost of God, you being willing to do what God tells you. And the first thing you ought to do in Romans chapter 12, verse 1, is just give your body. He said, I beseech you, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. You give the Lord God your body, he'll take any, you'll give him anything else. You give him your body, the wallet's not a problem. You give him your body, your feet's not a problem. You give him your body, your mind's not a problem. Your mouth's not a problem. But you've got to give him your body. And he says, a living sacrifice. All right. I'll look at 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 11. The Bible says, according to the glorious gospel, the blessed God was just committed to my trust. So you notice that this glorious gospel was committed to Paul. It's the gospel of the grace of God. And Paul's going to explain it. I'll read verse 12 and we'll wrap it up here. He's going to explain it to us in verse 12. He says, and I thank Christ Jesus our Lord. You know how thankful Paul is. We could learn volumes from just Paul. He's always thankful. And uh, he says, who hath enabled me, for he counted me faithful, putting me into the ministry. And I think we'll stop right there. It's the top of the hour. I don't want to wear you out here. But Paul here, he's going to thank God for three things. Three things. And as we leave today, I would encourage you, I would exhort you to at least find three things in your Christian life that you're thankful. And just tell the Lord you're thankful for it tonight. Amen. Why don't you stand? Paul is always thankful.